Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. everybody how's it going welcome to the drum shuffle jamie eads joining you as always this is episode 55 i hope everybody's having a fantastic week out there got a great interview for you today i'm going to be joined in just a moment by my friend jay took of the steel woods and we're going to talk all about uh what's going on in the steel woods camp New record is out and it's fantastic. So stay tuned for that after this message from our sponsor, Lost Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Lost Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Lost Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Lost Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Lost Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Lost Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Lost Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Lost Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at lostcabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Lost Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, everybody. As I mentioned, I'm about to be joined by Jay Took. Uh, Jay is just a super phenomenal guy uh, and a great drummer. And the Steelwoods are uh, just tearing up the world right now. And, you know, some people say it's a great country band. Some people say, no, 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 it's a great Southern rock band. Some folks say it's Americana. I don't care what you call it. It's great music. And their new record, Old News, hit the shelves just a couple of weeks back. It is a monster record. And we talk with Jay about that. But if you have not checked out the Steelwoods yet, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go do that immediately because it is fantastic. So without further ado, help me welcome my pal, Jay Took, to the Drum Shuffle. Hey, good evening, Jay. How's it going, man? Good, man. How are you? I cannot complain a bit. Hey, thanks for taking time to come on the Drum Shuffle. I appreciate it, brother. Man, really, thanks for having me. I appreciate it a lot. Oh, no, man. We we had to do this. You know, we we had the good fortune of hanging out backstage down at Nashville Drummer's Jam a few weeks back, and uh, it, I certainly wanted to get you on for a full episode. So thanks for making it happen so quickly. Absolutely. 
Well, cool. So, Jay, um, I, what we typically try to do here on the Drum Shuffle is go back to the very beginning. Um, tell us where you grew up and how you ended up behind a drum set the first time. Well, I actually grew up in Canada. Uh, I grew up in a really small town uh, in, called Weyburn, Saskatchewan, which is about an hour north of the Canadian-North Dakota border. So it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's a small town, about 6,000 people. Um, you know, hockey was king and uh, lots of oil fields and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, pretty pretty standard small-town life. And, uh, man, I was, I was probably about nine years old, I think, when I, uh, when I first got the itch. And I remember <clears throat> watching, you know, music was always a big part of my life. I mean, we always had a piano in the house and, you know, there was always something for me to, to noodle around on. And, and, you know, I, hindsight being 2020, when I look back at it, you know, music was, it's, it's always just kind of been that, you know, a, a part of who I am and all, you know, ultimately what I wanted to do. But I remember watching, uh, the, the video hit show, it was, it was actually called video hits and, and they were playing the, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, money for nothing. Oh yeah. Dire straight. Yeah. You know, with, with the big long intro and you know, all the things and the lasers and, you know, being nine years old. I mean, I remember my brain just kind of going, wow, what is that? And I wanted to know, you know, what, what sound, you know, I wanted to know what sounds sort of correlated with, you know, the movement the drummer was making and that, you know, it, that, all that stuff really spoke to me. So, you know, I, we had a, a drum kit in, in my school and, uh, you know, I would sneak down there sometimes and, and uh, you know, my fourth grade music or my fourth grade teacher actually was uh, really cool about letting me, you know, try things and see if I could play a beat and kind of get started that way. And then, you know, it just kind of grew out of that. So very young when you uh, when you caught the bug, per se. Yeah, I was I was very young and I've pretty much been playing ever since. Well, you know, one of the things that I learned in doing this show and, you know, I've had other, you know, Canadian drummers on, you know, I, I grew up in the South, so it was always marching band, right? I mean, that was kind of the the gateway for most drummers around here. Up North, there really isn't much of the, the marching season, you know, and, and football isn't a big thing in Canada. It's, it's hockey for the most part. Um, so did you kind of plant your seeds, so to speak in school band, like jazz ensemble, things like that? Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, we had a music program from, I, we started music in fourth grade and, and it started actually with, with just playing some bongos for a Christmas program. And then from there, you know, once I got into, uh, it was about sixth grade, uh, I started playing in, a in school band and I was, I was one of the only percussionists and, and it just kind of grew from there. And I went, just kept going, uh, with that. And I, and because it was such a small town and, and from an early age, you know, I, I took to it pretty quickly. Um, the music teachers there would have me come in and play with some of the older bands. You know, I would get into the junior high and, you know, at least get to go watch their jazz bands and play uh, with some of their uh, concert ensembles and that kind of thing and, and started studying that way. I gotcha. Now, I, who were some of the early influences that you picked up? I mean, I, I guess I'm curious, how different was it, you know, in Saskatchewan, you know, from where I grew up? I mean, of course, we had, you know, 
kind of ready access to MTV and, you know, you always, you know, listen to the radio at night and things like that. But, you know, when did you really start getting, you know, the, the bug of, I may really want to focus on this? You know, it was pretty much, I mean, you know, we grew up, we had top 40 radio and that's, that's what I was raised on, you know, country radio and, and top 40 radio and, um, Canada's version of MTV was called much music, you know, so, and they played, you know, we all the same stuff that MTV played pretty much, but they, you know, was more Canadian artists, artists, obviously, but you know, it was, it was pretty much in that first time that I think I was about 10 or 11. Uh, and I remember being, uh, just sitting with some friends that, that, uh, some of my mom's friends that, that played a little bit and they had a, they had a drum kit and, and I was able to, um, sit and just make a little bit of noise with them. And it was, you know, that was, that was a big thing for me. And, and as goofy as it sounds, that fourth grade, uh, Christmas program, I, re- I just remember being on stage and like from, from then on in, it was anything that I could do to get to play music with other people, you know, and there was something about, you know, I got that, I, I caught the bug just being on stage and, you know, hearing people react and, you know, not that we were any good. <laughs> and it was, it was, you know, it was polite applause, uh, you know, like everybody does for their kids at those types of things. But it was, it was very early, you know, as soon as I could, as soon as I had a set of drumsticks, I think I, I started taking my first lessons when I was 10 and I was already listening to, um, I got really big on, on Def Leppard and ACDC. Those were the two bands for me that, that, uh, that started it off. Cause it was stuff that I could, you know, immediately sit down and play, you know, and yeah. like, like most of us that started, uh, you know, back in black is, was a record that, you know, really I gravitated to. And, uh, I'm glad that I did because, you know, Phil Rudd is, is uh, a huge influence on what I do and his approach and, you know, the way that he plays and, you know, those early Def Leppard records, you know, with uh, like High and Dry and Pyromania and, and uh, you know, Hysteria, like just it's real simple playing and stuff that I got into. And then, you know, as I got older, you know, I got into Van Halen a lot. Uh, Kentucky Headhunters was a band that, you know, when I was when I was 12 that, you know, I hadn't really heard a proper shuffle up until that point, you know, and they came out with Dumas Walker and, and I immediately had to learn how to play a shuffle like Fred does, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so it was, it was all kinds of stuff. I mean, but, you know, being on where I grew up, like just the fact that it was, you know, a lot of top 40 radio and, and, um, that kind of thing is I, I just gravitated to what was getting played on the radio. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and you said one of the magical names in there, Fred Young. You know, I, I've had the great fortune of being able to hang out with Fred a few times. And man, you know, the way he shuffles can't be taught, right? I mean, he brought that, you know, John Bonham thing to country music. So what a great influence to have. You know, that's that's amazing to, to hear you say that. That's fantastic. Yeah, like he, you know, and, and it was, you know, a lot of it was because I was a kid and you'd, you'd see the videos, you know, and he had the big chops and the big, you know, the old drum kit. And it was like, man, that's a lot different. Like he doesn't have a rack and, you know, it's not like the guy from Queensryche that's got the chains with the symbols <laughs> hanging off of him. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, it was, it was a totally new thing for me, but like, I, I really, I really latched onto that, that first Kentucky Headhunters record a lot. Yeah, it's man, it's a good one, you know, and and they are the pride of Kentucky for sure. You know, those guys are are legends around these parts for sure. Um, yeah. 
so I, did you start I, I, forming, you know, garage bands uh, as a teenager? I mean, was that kind of your your outlet, you know, getting together with other musicians and, you know, playing the, you know, the skating rink or, or tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was, we had a band in, in, uh, in ninth grade, there was some friends of mine from my hometown and, and, uh, you know, we, yeah, it was just, you know, it's so cold up there in the wintertime. I mean, you're, you're pretty much indoors for eight months out of the year, unless you absolutely have to be outside. So, I mean, you've got (laughs) nothing better to do than to sit around and, you know, jam on stuff. And we'd start, you know, I, that was in and around ninth grade and we're playing Metallica covers and Guns N' Roses and ACDC and all that kind of thing. And then, um, I moved to a town about an hour North of where I grew up called Moose Jaw. Oh yeah. I've heard (laughs) Uh, of Moose Jaw for sure. Yep. (laughs) Most people have. Um, and that was, um, one of the first places I was actually in a, in a band that, that played out. And, uh, I think we were called the malcontent and, uh, you know, we played, uh, you know, street festivals and we played, you know, the talent shows at our, at our high school and, and, and did all of that. And then I lived up there for about a year and a half. And then I moved back to Weyburn and, and, uh, you know, played with some local guys in town. We had a country band, um, with a female singer and, and, you know, man, I, I couldn't tell you the name of the girl that we sang with, but, you know, we were doing the, the early nineties country hits, you know, female fronted kind of stuff and, and playing in bars there. And then, when I was 19, I moved a province over to the city of Winnipeg, uh, which is in Manitoba, which if you were a fan of The Office or The Simpsons or other things, Winnipeg gets mentioned in those shows a lot. But um, that was where I really started to, you know, I when I moved there, I'd been playing drums for, you know, about 10 years already. And I'd, and I'd done a fair amount of gigs for somebody my age. And up there, there's a really great, music scene um whether it was with you know i always tell people that winnipeg is kind of like if you took austin and nashville and kind of put it in a blender um you get that sort of eclectic nature that is austin but the talent pool like you get in nashville wow and yeah and it's you know they had um there was a a bylaw for bars that if you were going to have what they call a cabaret license, which is basically a nightclub license that you had to have live entertainment. So, and there was a ton of bars up there that, you know, big bars, you know, thousand seater plus kind of things. And I got up there and I was really fortunate to get in with some guys that were, that were older than me. Um, and I worked, you know, within being there for a month, I was playing four or five nights a week all the time with some of the best musicians that I'd ever heard. And, and really, you know, they were, they were patient with me and, and, and kind of took me under their wing. And it wasn't, it wasn't long before I was, I was pretty busy all the time up there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great way to pay dues is, you know, when you're the young cat that's getting all the calls with the, you know, the more seasoned guys, you're going to learn what to do and and more importantly, what not to do. Right. Yeah, basically, you know, cause I was, I was meeting drummers and stuff and I was getting a lot of sub calls and, and, you know, doing that thing. But, you know, eventually found my way into a band, like a cover band. And, you know, the way the circuit worked there is, you you know, you'd play five or six weeks in town and then you'd head out on, uh, into Ontario and, you know, go out to Thunder Bay and a couple other small towns. You'd do a three, four week run and then you'd come back. And that was kind of the cycle that it was in. So, you know, I was getting an education, um, in the music business that, um, you know, had I just gone up and maybe just kept playing in garage bands or whatever that I never really would have gotten, you know, like how to, 
how to properly do a sound check and how to tune my drums so that the, you know, the sound tech isn't going, Hey man, those sound like garbage. You should maybe figure that out, you <laughs> yeah. know, and just, and, and having the fire lit under you and, 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 you know, having to learn how to do that kind of stuff on the fly. So. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I know you put in a lot of good work up there. Um, at what point did you make the journey down to Nashville? Well, it's coming up on about seven years ago, and I had been, you know, fast forward to, you know, uh, right before I moved down, I'd been touring, you know, had the, the artist gigs up in Canada with a lot of the, the bigger named artists up there that, um, you know, festivals and touring and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'd been wanting to come down to Nashville for a while, and it was really just a matter of, you know, I was I was pretty comfortable up there with the uh, you know, the work that I was doing and, and what I was getting to do. Um, but it, it's one of those things that, you know, the guys that, that I look up to from Nashville, um, you know, can I come down here and, and can I do it? You know, can I, can I hang, you know, and that was, that was the big challenge to myself. And it was really just a matter of, you know, kind of getting over my own inhibitions and, and, you know, my, uh, you know, how comfortable I was up there working, like, you know, I've got this, but, you know, do I just kind of drop everything and go start from scratch? You know, I was 33 years old and, you know, that's, it's a little bit intimidating to do it, but I'm, I'm really glad that I did. Well, I mean, yes, it is intimidating. And, you know, the thing about Nashville that is so amazing to me is, you know, literally like, Every time you order a cheeseburger or a cup of coffee or park your car, the people that are taking care of you in those situations are the best musicians on the earth. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> it's just like, you know, I don't know. You could throw a rock anywhere in Nashville and hit an awesome player. So you I guess when you make that transition to a place like Nashville, you're going to find out really quick whether you can hang, as you said, or not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in, because the competition is, is so high. I mean, man, like there's, there's so <laughs> it's staggering, you know, drummers too, but like just how many incredible musical minds live in this city. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. With, without a doubt. Now, tell me a little bit about how you ended up uh, in your current gig. And I know it's more than a gig. And let me, you know, in the efforts of full disclosure, I am a huge fan of the Steelwoods. Um, I just love what you guys do. I think it's uh, unique. I think it's, um, it's just really good music. So tell me a little bit about how you got hooked up with Rowdy and Wes and those guys. Well, well first off, thank you. Um, but uh, I met, uh, who did I meet first? I met Rowdy. Um, I've been playing downtown um, at, I used to play it at Crossroads, which is on Broadway, um, yeah. every Wednesday, every Wednesday night. It was one of the first gigs that I ever started doing, uh, on Broadway in town with this girl named Jennifer friend. And we were doing a lot of, uh, it's, it, it we, we called it the anti-Broadway band because, you know, we, everything from Steely Dan to Bill Withers to Bob Marley to, I mean, just a lot, you know, uh, really deep cut Stevie wonder kind of things. And, and, um, the guitar player that brought me in on that was friends with Rowdy. And I guess Rowdy had been down there 
one night and he, he saw me play and, and he asked me to come play at some out in Jackson. No, it wasn't Jackson out in, uh, Oh, it's escaping me now anyway, but he had, he had gotten a hold of me through Tyler and asked me to do that. So we had done a gig there and, um, we played with a guy named Shan Lawson, um, uh, on a couple of other gigs and, uh, Separately from that, uh, when Wes and his wife had moved to town, they, you know, just kind of walking around had stumbled in there one night and, and found that, or it happened upon us. I don't want to say stumbled. It's not like they were, you know, but, <laughs> right on <laughs> check, check my wording there, but you know, but they had happened upon the, the gig, I guess. And, and they would come down and watch us every Wednesday and, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, I met Wes and, and, and just kind of shook hands and it was really just sort of in passing. Um, but I guess during that time, he and Rowdy had, had met and, you know, the, the origins of the band had started through that. And then, you know, from that gig, I had gotten to play with a guy named Jacob Stiefel and he was going out to Muscle Shoals. Uh, they do this show out there called Music Road to Muscle Shoals. And, uh, I played on his record, um, that we did out of Memphis with, uh, the, uh, that was produced by a girl named Hallie Phillips that, that, that this was her show. And, the Steelwoods were on the gig and my buddy Elton Charles was playing and, uh, you know, we, we were all hanging out and, uh, Elton had some other commitments come up and, and, uh, I was asked to come in and sub in on a few dates and, uh, you know, the rest is just kind of history from there. You know, it was still very early on. I don't, I don't even know that the, the full EP had been released yet at that point. Um, you know, we did a couple of shows and it, and everything really felt good and, and, you know, everybody, just kind of seemed to click. And then, you know, from there, it just, things started to pick up very quickly. Um, you know, and here we are three years later, um, on our second record and, uh, it, it's been a really crazy ride and it's, um, one of the best things that I've ever been involved in. Well, I mean, it's a great band and I'm going to back up cause I don't want to gloss this over, but I do want to say this see kids playing on Broadway in Nashville can actually lead to good things happening for you. <laughs> it can, it, it can, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that, you know, like it's, it, it's, it's a fine line being down there. Cause I, uh, you know, I, when I got here, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I was answering Craigslist ads. For anybody that needed a drummer, I basically just said yes to anything I could for the first six months I was here just to meet players because, you know, you never know. And it was playing on Broadway when I was doing that uh, Crossroads on Wednesdays there. Um, and then I ended up playing with another guy named Chris Mauk, and we did Friday, Saturdays there all the time. And, you know, it was from there that, um, you know, I played with Keith Anderson for a little while, and I got that gig through uh, a couple of the guys that were in the band that I was playing with that were playing with Keith and did that gig for a little while. And, you know, it's a lot of people kind of poo poo Broadway and, and, you know, there are, there are pluses and minuses to that scene down there, but I mean, you know, it's, it's the law of attraction. I think, I think that like-minded people and like-minded players end up finding each other. And, and, and I think that, you know, really great things can happen for people. Yeah. I mean, I, so many people do say that, you know, they, they move to Nashville and they go, well, I'm never playing Broadway. You know, I'm just not going to do that. You know, it's like, it's selling your soul to the devil or, or something like that. But, you know, it is where, you know, it's not where the locals go, certainly, but when somebody comes to Nashville, everybody knows Tootsie's Orchid Lounge. Everybody knows Robert's Western World. And, you know, 
I've got news for you, man. Willie Cantu from Buck Owens and the Buckaroos is playing down at Roberts Western World every now. You, you know what I mean? It's yeah. You just never know who you're going to see down there. So I don't know why people just immediately shut off a great avenue for ways to meet great players. Yeah, you know, and it's it's the kind of thing you know if you're smart about it and you, you kind of. You navigate things a bit. I mean, not you know, not to say that you have to be you know Johnny Networker or anything like that. But I, I think if you show up and just kind of do your job and 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 play for the song, you know, whether you're a guitar player, or a bass player, or, or you know anything, keyboard player, like whatever you know, whatever your your instrument is. I mean, if you're down there and you're doing a good job, and and you know you care enough about your craft and about playing music. I mean, I think that. Um, you know, that's where guys that play down there end up getting these gigs because there's tons of guys down there that all have artist gigs that still play down there and started down there. And, you know, it's, it's the difference of, you know, if, if you look at it as a learning experience about, you know, how, to, how do I get better? If you, like, if you're a real young guy and you really don't know what's going on, I mean, you can, you can go down there and you can, you can learn because you're playing four hours at a time. And that, you know, there's there's something to that, and if you let if you let yourself get bored and and you know you can you, you're you're playing can suffer, but I think that if you if you take the opportunity you know to play like if, let's say you know you're doing three shifts a week, that's twelve hours of drums to practice and not to practice chops but to practice playing music and, and that's invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, I. When you, there is no substitute for that experience, you know, to, to be in a situation where, and let's face it, you know, when you're on Broadway, you're going to take requests, you know, you can't say, well, that one's not in the set list. If somebody throws 20 bucks up on the stage, you're going to play whatever song it is they just said, right? I mean, yeah. And And being in that situation is invaluable experience for later in life. It really is because it, it, it forces you to learn how to listen, you know, and that's, that's the thing. Cause you know, inevitably it's going to be somebody in the band is going to know it. And as long as you could say, how do I get in and how do we get out? And is there something, you know, is there something that happens in the middle of this tune? And then, so it's that, it's that thing of, it really makes you work your brain. You know, somebody's going to count you in, this is how you get into the tune. And then, you know, they tell you about, you know, like I, I remember, uh, uh, learning oh i can't even remember what song it was um it was a deep cut skinner tune there's a bunch of pushes um in the middle of this section you know and like just quickly like the guitar player says okay so in the bridge this thing's going to happen and then it's going to be dot dot and blah, 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 or something like that and you know you have to be able to you have to know that okay i got to play this this groove and i got to make this whole thing groove and then i got to get to that section you got to you got to work your memory and you know can i get in there and can you pull it off it's, you know sometimes you're going to fall on your well, most of the time you're going to fall on your face but you know it's 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 that type of repetition and having to you know learn material that maybe you've never heard before or you know anything like that and and it's you know you, you can't you're never going to learn that in a school anywhere <laughs> you know getting getting thrown into the fire is the best way to learn that's right and and you know i was going to say it's learning the language you know in the moment hey this is what's going on and guess what when you said it was a deep deep cut skinnered song it had all these pushes in the middle i know the song just by what you hummed it's that smell <laughs> so uh, my it might have been it, i don't know it was uh 
Man, I don't remember. <laughs> well, it was a long time. by the way you right, described you it, that's you know that's what I heard in my head. But you know, it's just I've been in situations where somebody will turn around and say, "You've never heard this before." Think ZZ Top. Well, okay, yeah. so that's part of my vernacular, and I can fake my way through it. And if somebody gives you a hand signal, you know when to end. It, that just can't be bought anywhere. No. You know, it's no. it's good stuff. So, um, you guys just finished up back in December, I'm going to say, either late November, early December. You guys finished up a, a, a big run. You guys were out on the road with Cody Jinks. Um, yeah. And I know that the, the new record is either out or just about to be out, which um, I want to say thank you to, to you and your management team for giving me a little sneak preview of some of the tracks. Man, smoking good record you guys have. Thank you, man. It, it's, it's amazing. Um, so were you guys writing while you were out on the, the various tours this year, or did you guys just kind of hole up in the studio and, and let it rip, so to speak? Well, a lot of the tunes, so, you know, a lot of the songs on the record, um, you know, Wes and, and Rowdy had been, uh, had been working on and, and writing with each other and kind of with a few other writers in town um, over time. And uh, we actually, the, the record was recorded in June um, okay. of, of 2018. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we, they had, had kind of got the, the short list of songs together and then we were out on a run in uh, Texas and we had a few days off in between dates. Um, and cause Texas is such a drive. We ended up uh, just getting an Airbnb um, with a house with a two car garage and we just set up like we were back in high school, um, except we were lucky enough to have an in-ear monitor rig and some real microphones. <laughs> yeah, like in high school with an in-ear monitor rig, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know, it was and and a, a laptop with the Pro Tools rig on it. So we were we were able to kind of you know the the four of us got together and just kind of worked out the songs. You know, like the the bones of them were there and the core of it was there. And then you know when the four of us get into a room together. Um, you know, it's, we're able to kind of, you know, there's this, there's this thing that just kind of happens that collectively we, you know, we sort of put our own stamp on it and, and things come together. And so that was a lot of fun because we had about three days where we could just sit and, and work on the tunes and listen back and see what we liked and what we didn't like. And, and, uh, and then when it came time to get into the studio, um, we had that roadmap down, which, is really important, you know, because we could, after that time in Texas, we were able to then work on things and sound check, you know, we could, we could try a few different things and, and, and just keep fine tuning until we got right into the studio. And then we did the bulk of the record. Um, I think it was about five or six days, six days, there five and a half days, something like that. Um, and we cut that out in Asheville at Echo Mountain Studios. And uh, it was, it was a really, really great experience because we all, you know, we just set up in a room and we played the songs. And, you know, a lot of the songs, the even the vocals that you hear, I mean, it's one take all the way through. And, and it's, you know, I'd say about 75% of that record is how we played it and how Wes sang it and how it came together. And, you know, maybe we do... You know, there was a couple. There was a couple tunes that you know I punched in a. You know, I changed the way the groove is in a in a solo section and made it a little bigger. And I'd go in and punch in like four bars or something. But I mean, for you know, for the most part, what you're hearing is what you get. You know, flaws and all. 
Well, there's something to be said about, you know, tracking stuff live on the floor, you know, musicians, honest to God, making music together at the same time, you know, and and I think that's a lost art form in in a lot of ways. Um, but I could really tell it on, on some of the stuff that I've heard. And I just want to say this, you know, you guys have put a few cover, uh, tracks on this record. Um, and I want you to, I don't want to steal any thunder here, but explain to us why you put some covers on this record and and who they're by and, and, and what all that means, because I think it's a cool story. Well, a lot of it, you know, like Lost, you know, we'd lost Tom Petty and we did, we ended up cutting, uh, Southern accents and, you know, Tom Petty, even if, you know, he's just such a huge influence on everybody, you know, us and, you know, 90% of the musical world. I mean, and it was one of those things that, you know, the cover songs that we did were really just to pay tribute. You know, we put whipping post on there, um, you know, as, as a tribute, you know, and we definitely put our own spin on that tune you know and uh we did a, a song called one of these days by uh wayne mills um who is a, a good friend of of the band um good friend of rowdy's especially um they were very close and, and wayne was killed uh a few years ago uh tragically he was shot uh in downtown nashville and um you know it was one of those things that rowdy wanted to do uh, record one of his songs just as a tribute because, you know, he's such a prolific songwriter. Um, but, you know, also just to pay tribute to his friend and, uh, you know, let his his legacy kind of live on and, and, you know, have us be able to you know carry that torch for him, which was a great thing to be a part of. Um, and I'm blanking on the last cover that we put on. <laughs> well, you've got, I, I think there's going to be a Merle Haggard cover tune on there. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, we... Well, in the one that I was going to mention, you know, that that I heard and I thought it was really cool when I first started listening to it, I was like, man, this seems so familiar. And then I realized it was a Black Sabbath song. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, we did, uh, you know, we did uh, on the first record, uh, uh, Hole in the Sky, which is uh, uh, another Sabbath tune. Right. Um, And it was just sort of brought up. Are we going to do another Sabbath tune? And it was, you know, Changes is such a good song. I mean, and it's. You know, it's a little bit of a, um, I don't want to say a departure, but it's definitely got more, a, a more of a 60s soul era vibe to it. You know, we, we, uh, we borrowed a little bit from, you know, the great Charles Bradley's version of that tune and, and just kind of put a louder guitar or edge on it and, you know, put our own stamp on it. And that, was, that, was, that song was really fun to record. Well, and, you know, I, I said to you, uh, I can tell you guys put a lot of time into this. And, you know, I mean, obviously we're a drum show, uh, you know, and, and we don't typically talk about paradiddles and radamacues and all that. So relax, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you about the time signature in the bridge or anything like that. But the drums sound amazing on what I've heard. So, you know, anything that you can speak to that, you know, uh, how you got the drum sounds that, that we're hearing uh, on this record. Well, uh, you got to think, I got to give a, a little, well, a whole bunch of love to the good folks over at Pearl. Um, I've been a Pearl artist for a couple of years now, and the drums that I used on the record uh, is the kit that I've been touring with for the last year and change. Um, Pearl reissued the wood fiberglass drums 
Have you seen those? Uh, absolutely. They look cool. Yeah. Um, and I remember being at the, at the pro artist lunch and, uh, they had one of those out and a buddy of mine and I just sat there and kept hitting this kick drum on the floor, Tom, and just blown away by how good it sounded, you know, and it's got, they've got this really great low study timbre to them. You know, they're very reminiscent of like, of, of older drums from the sixties, fifties and sixties that have that real study kind of thing, you know, where you don't get a lot of ring that are, they're not shiny drums as I, as I, like to call them yeah and you know i i tend to tune pretty low um i, I and i hit really hard uh i don't hit ray luzier hard but i, uh, I, I <laughs> nobody <laughs> does <laughs> i thought i hit hard and then I, I got to see ray play and it was like wow dude you're amazing <laughs> but you know it's it's that thing of um i'm a big fan of of big you know, big drums. I, you know, I used a 24 inch kick drum, 13, 16. And then I have a 20 inch, uh, Pearl marching bass drum, uh, that I put legs on. And I use that as my second floor tom. And I tune everything really low and I try and move as much air. And I really err on the side of, you know, where I, you know, where you might be able to play six notes, I'd rather play two so that you've got a real, you know, real girthy, uh, tone that's that's taking up more space sonically as opposed to just you know trying to show off and play a bunch of notes and things and i i really gravitate um you know towards that that tuning and that playing style because it you know it's just it it takes up more space in the mix that i think serves a lot more with the type of music that we play as opposed to you know trying to play a flurry of notes through something that's maybe tuned a little bit higher and you know and and uh yeah i mean that's that's it. And then, you know, snare drums, um, Echo Mountain had a, had a nice collection of some old Ludwigs. Um, I brought my Pearl Sensitone, uh, it's a patina cop or a patina brass snare. That's really dark. And that's, that's a lot of that record. Um, I have a, a lady, uh, 14 by six and a half from the mid thirties that is used on, uh, three or four songs on there. And I have uh, a Gretsch hammered brass that I used on a couple songs as well. And, you know, tuned low and hit hard. Um, so you still get that attack, but you know, you don't get a, a drum that rings a whole lot, but it, it just makes a real good splatty crack. I call it the wet paper bag sound. That's, that's how I always describe it. Yeah. Right on. I mean, you're a man after my own heart. I mean, your sizes are my sizes and you know, I mean, it just, I, I think, for for those of us of a certain age, and you and I are about the same age, it's like, yeah. okay, how do I get the Alex Van Halen, Tommy Lee, John Bonham drum sound? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. And you will apply that to any kind of music, whether it's, you know, hard rock, heavy metal, Americana, country. It, it, that's just kind of what you hear in your head and you know it, it really does shine on this recording it's it's fantastic man it really is thank you man that's yeah. uh that, that's good to hear yeah you're welcome so um tell us all a little bit about what you know the rest of 2019 is going to look like for you guys um you spent a lot of 18 out on the road with different acts um just all over the place is this going to be a year of some headlining tours or a little bit more of the, the package kind of tours? What, what's in the works for you guys? 
Well, it's going to be a little bit of both, uh, I think. I know that uh, you know we're just about to start on a uh, two-month uh, winter tour, um, and then there's some stuff after that that uh, hasn't quite yet been, been confirmed, so I don't want to get any hopes up and get too specific on that, but I know that uh, it's going to be a busy year. Um, we spent a lot of time on the road. Uh, I know the first year that we were out, uh, which was 2017, you know, I think we did in the neighborhood of 150 shows. We put like 65,000 miles on our bus. And, you know, and last year was, was definitely no, no difference from that. Um, you know, and it's just going to be doing the same thing. I mean, just getting out in front of as many people and playing as many places as we can. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate that, that people keep coming to see us and people want to see us. And, and I, you know, we're, we're pretty excited about this new record and, and um, you know, the, the fans have been very receptive to it uh, and very excited about it. So, you know, hopefully they, they continue that and, uh, and keep supporting us the way that they have, because I mean, you know, doing the, the, the way that we do things without, you know, we're not a, a band that's going after the radio or, you know, doing that kind of thing, you know, where it's, it, where it's just grassroots and getting in front of people, I mean, we can't really, uh, you know, we, as long as we keep going and doing that and people, you know, don't get tired of us, um, you know, we're just going to keep working and, and, and grinding and, and, uh, and doing our thing. And, uh, I, I feel pretty good that it's going to pay off. So. Yeah. Well, you guys are doing a ton of good work out there and, and, you know, I do want to say this and, and please, you know, don't let me put words in your mouth as great as the records are everybody owes it to themselves to go to one of your shows. You guys are a live band. Is that a fair statement? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've caught you guys uh, at least once um, with Blackberry Smoke and, you know, it just, it just goes without saying you got to see these guys live. Now, one thing that I'm going to mention here. Uh, that, you know, it's kind of inside baseball kind of stuff, but you guys are with 30 Tigers, which, you know, I'm a huge Jason Isbell fan. You know, I'm, I'm very, you know, proud to say that I know Chad Gamble from his band. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody that's on the 30 Tigers <laughs> roster is just stone cold awesome. <laughs> that's just all there is to it. So, I mean, you guys have to be proud of that fact that that you've got some really good support from a label that that knows what it takes for a grassroots kind of band. You're you're not going to have the the huge radio numbers. Um, so that has to be a, a point of pride for for you guys. Yeah, I was I was pretty excited when that whole thing came together because they're. You know, I mean, Jason Isbell, and, and I'm a huge uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones fan. Same. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and it was just like, wow, we get, you know, it, it, it a lot of you know, people always think it's an honor to be this, but it really is an honor to be, you know, associated uh, and, and on a label um, with those guys, uh, with a company like that, because they're, you know, they're, they've been so supportive and they really believe in us. And, and uh, you know, it's... It, Never in a million years if you told me when I moved here that this is what I would be doing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have believed you at this to you know to be in that kind of company and to be working with the team that we have. You know, between them and and our booking agency and you know and I, and uh, our manager Derek and and everybody that that you know really has 
taken a risk and taken a gamble and made sacrifices and 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 you know put everything that they have to give you know to whatever capacity that is behind this this project i mean it, it's it's really humbling and it's it's really uh it's really great to be a part of a team like that yeah for sure man well, so, you know, and, and I do want to mention this, you know, we, we did a lot of coverage around uh, Nashville Drummers Jam. And of course, that's how you and I crossed paths uh, was down there for that event. Um, you know, there's just such a great community in Nashville of drummers, you know, and, and that event, you know, certainly shows that um, what ultimately, you know, what is Jay going to be up to 10 years, 15 years from now? Hopefully you're, you're still going to be out on the road with the guys and, and you guys are going to be, you know, Grammys and platinum records and, and all that stuff. <laughs> but, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, do you see yourself staying in the Nashville scene and doing cool things like Nashville drummers jam? Do you want to teach, you know, all, all that good stuff? Well, I'm a terrible teacher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's you know, that's fair. Well, I, I mean, it's you know, I'm not I'm not one of those I'm not one of those guys that'll sit down and and crack a book and all right, page four, run yeah. it, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, I would rather, I'd much rather, you know, if I if I was teaching in any capacity, it's more about talking about concepts and and ideals as far as you know, just the the basics of, of being a drummer. But, you know, I mean, I, I, Nashville is home. You know, I, I met my wife here and, um, I bought a house here and we got a couple of dogs and, you know, eventually we're going to have a family and, and do that kind of thing. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's what I'd like to be doing. I mean, I'll play music until, you know, they, you, you pry the sticks out of my cold dead hands. I mean, that's, Amen. that's just how, just how it is. And, you know, if, if we're fortunate enough, you know, the steel woods are, are a thing in 15 years. I really couldn't think of anything else that I'd rather be doing, you know, with, with a group of guys like that. And, um, you know, if that's a thing, that would be great. And if I get to be injected into the Nashville drummer community, um, you know, then, then great. You know, it's, uh, it's really cool that I've gotten to be a part of, you know, I've done three drummer jams, you know, and that's, the, the, I know how special that is. I mean, there's, it's within the drummer community. It's a really big deal, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, you know, you get to, you get to go on stage and play. And then, you know, a guy like Rich Redmond or Chris McHugh or Kevin Murphy, or, you know, like uh, right, the second time I've mentioned Ray, you know, like just all of these guys in town that are, just incredible players that have been written up in modern drummer and, you know, guys that I sat and listened to on records, um, and tore their playing apart and, you know, knew it note for note and like tried to learn the nuances, you know, like I'm, I'm a huge Chris McHugh fan and, you know, trying, you know, trying to learn like, what is it about what Chris does that makes him so special? And like really just analyzing how beautiful his sense of time and feel is, you know, the way that, that he, can get into these, um, you know, move the song around kind of at will without, you know, he's, he's one of the best at that, you know, and, you know, Rich has got this thing where, you know, he, he's a power drummer, you know, and, and I really appreciate that about him. I love watching him play and I love the way that he makes a set of drums sound, you know, and, but then you look at guys like, you know, like Tom Hurst, who, you know, was sort of there for the inception of the, 
the drummer jam and it's like you know tom is is such a great player in his own right like he's got his own sense of power and, and finesse and and feel and you know and it's like for me to be even uh, you know a a small part of that community and to be recognized just by being asked and most of the time it's because i'm you know filling in for some guy <laughs> no in, in the last minute you know it's like well we need a body what are you doing well okay i'll do that you know i mean it's nonsense it's great. And, I, <laughs> well, and i i really i really hope that you know if if i hope that i get to do that and you know and, and uh I, I hope that i i continue to be a part of that scene because it's it's really great and i'm i'm very fortunate and uh and very happy to be a part of it well, I mean, it's a, you know, and we talked about this, you know, when we were down there, but there, there is just a special bond amongst us drummers. And, you know, it, one of the coolest things for me is getting to know guys like you, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, uh, oh yeah, man, I know Jay, What listen to this new record he's got out. And I think that's how music travels these days, more so than any promotion machine at all in our circles it's hey have you checked out the new stuff that that ray is doing or have you have you seen what tom's up to you know that kind of thing and we just have that that community going and you guys have have put together a record that i'm sure all of us are going to be talking about well i appreciate that very much man i mean that's that's uh it's it's big company <laughs> to be in and, and I, I i really do appreciate you saying that well, you've you've earned your place. There's no doubt about it, man. I mean, and, you know, it, it goes without saying you're doing, you know, just tons of great work out there. And I can't wait to see uh, to see how it continues to grow. Um, one of our traditions here, Jay, uh, you know, I think you've listened to the show before, but we always ask our guests for a good piece of advice. And I think you may have kind of a unique perspective on this. Um, you know, give us a, a good piece of advice that all of us drummers can take out there in our day-to-day -day lives on whatever gig it is we're playing. Well, on on the gig, well, I mean, I always tell people, and you know, when I because when I meet younger players in town, uh, and really just anywhere, like I say first of all, don't say no to anything. Even if it's the worst gig you've ever played, you never know who you're going to meet. Um, and when you get on that gig, even if it's not the greatest and it's not what you expected and maybe, you know, you don't, you know, maybe you're, you're uh, more experienced than the musicians in the band, be a pro, play your butt off, you know, and play for the song. Like, don't, you know, don't go out and, Nobody cares that you can play the first eight pages of the last Thomas Lang book. I mean, that's great, you know, and go home and practice that stuff and know those things. But if you're out on the gig, play for the song every time. You know, I always, my biggest thing in the studio is what would Ringo do? Yeah. And, you know, cause you know, he ticket to ride and, and, you know, tomorrow never knows and all these great grooves that he played that, you know, are not necessarily the flashiest things in the world, but it's exactly what the song needed all the time yeah you know, for sure it, it make 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 their feet tap make them bob their heads where they don't even realize that they're doing it just go out and groove and be great well you know I, I, that's great advice um but i i do want to ask a follow-up question on that because you know everybody says well i you know i play for the song and yeah. 
So oftentimes, I think we as drummers confuse that with play something really simple. And you mentioned Ticket to Ride. That's not a, a simple groove if you think about it. You know, I mean, it's, it's easy to learn and easy to play, but it's not simple. You know, it's, uh, but it is exactly what that song called for. So when you're playing for the song, it doesn't always equate to, to you know, playing something really easy to do. And case in point, the track uh, Without You on your all's new record, um, yeah. you did a really cool kind of shuffly snare drum roll throughout that song. Well, I mean, that, you know, that's the thing that, you know, it, that, idea initially came from uh probably from the deep recesses of the vinnie caliuta phase of my life good you know and and that was because vinnie's got that he's, he's got that touch and he, you know one of my probably my favorite record that he's ever played on is 10 summer's tales yeah that, you know this the sting record and you know it's it's great because he's able to take any time signature and make it danceable but he's also so great with finesse and with textures and you know it was just that thing of like you know i because it's a six eight thing you know i could have played a real stock kind of six eight but if you can if you can dress it up and add some texture with you know the the kind of shuffly march like you know but it's sort of that it sort of borrows from the Vinny stuff and honestly now that i think about it like uh kind of 50 ways to leave your lover kind of vibe too you know yeah and it's that's you know that is playing for the song it doesn't always mean make it the simplest thing but what is something musical that you can do that's not going to get in the way of the vocals you know first and foremost what the vocal is doing and how can you support that better so that you you know you've kind of you know created a little rhythmical hook under underneath what what is going on in the rest of the song See, that's that's brilliant advice right there. That's that's what we had you on here for, Jay. <laughs> Cuz well, I knew you would I knew you would come through with just some really good knowledge. And that's good knowledge. Just playing for the song doesn't mean do it simple. It it means play for the song. And a lot of people get confused about that, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jay, it goes without saying, man, you are welcome on this program anytime. Um, please keep us posted what's going on throughout 2019. Um, we we got to have you back real soon uh, to tell us what's going on out there from the road. Uh, everybody, it's the Steelwoods. The new record is called Old News. Uh, hit the streets on January 18th. Is that right, Jay? Yes, sir. Awesome. Everybody go pick up a copy of this. You're not going to regret it. Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it, brother. Thank you, Jamie. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. We'll talk to you real, real soon. All right. All right. See ya. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap up episode 55 of the Drum Shuffle. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't do this show without every single one of you guys tuning in. Uh, and just on a personal note this week, I want to thank uh, the fine folks over at Podcast Business Journal for featuring the Drum Shuffle uh, in their Spotlight column on uh, Friday, February the 1st. Uh, that was a big surprise for me, and I really do appreciate that. So thanks to each and every one of you 
for helping us uh, get to some of our goals here in 2019. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen in today. We have some fantastic shows coming up that you are not going to want to miss. Next week, I am going to be joined by the great Mike Johnston of Mike'sLessons.com and the co-host of the Modern Drummer podcast. So you're not going to want to miss that. Mike is just a monster player, super good dude, and we spent some time talking about his career. So you're not going to want to miss that episode next week. We love hearing from you throughout the week. Our email address is the Podcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. And you can find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>